This time on Star Trek Gold Key Theater. Star Trek, the Cosmic Cavemen. As they ply the endless seas of space, the crew of the Starship Enterprise continually weigh anchor at strange and dangerous ports of call. But none so unusual as the planet Nisan, where the fire is magic, the wheel unknown, and cavemen reign supreme. Scotty Bones, that thing these people are worshipping, it's a statue of Mr. Spock. It cannot be, laddie. None of us have ever been within this solar system before. You have defiled the sacred soul of Onru. For that, Locke the Wise sentences you all to death. Classic Gold Key Comic Theater, Issue 17. Reenacting the scripts and the stories from your favorite Star Trek comic books. Performing at a level that few have ever stooped before. Captain's Log, Stardate 1924.3. In standard orbit around the uncharted planet, we have named Neeson. Our sensors and scanners have brought back strange tidings. You heard me right, people. There is intelligent life down there, but totally undeveloped. A planet in its Stone Age. We are under orders at all times not to interfere with the social and political structure of any planet. Outside the Federation. Of course, Captain. But in a world so young and impressionable, like a newborn babe, that admonition goes double. Aye, Captain. I see where your head's at. If we dropped even a button in the wee world like that, it could change their whole future history. All they could learn from you, Scotty, is how to play an electronic bagpipe. Mr. Spock, you will remain in command of the ship while we transport ourselves for a look below. As you wish, Captain. Let caution be your guide. Moments later, as the transporter rematerializes them on the planet's lush surface. Imagine it, Ben. We might be on hand to see these people invent the wheel, or... Wait, what's that? I cannot say, Captain. But it sounds like 10,000 Vulcan palm trees caught in a solar windstorm. Death to the invaders. The defilers of the sacred soil of Unaro must not escape. Fall back and protect yourselves. Use phasers. Stun power only. If we kill even one of these people, we'll answer for it. Good thing they haven't discovered gunpowder yet. They do not need it. If one of them clubs catches you on your noggin, you'll be wishing it was a wee bullet. Oh! They got bones. Cover me, Scotty. I'm going to pull them out of here. Aye, Captain. Ugh! Oof! We cannot make it, Jim. 
We're trying to run a tea party, and they're out for blood. You're right, Scotty. There's no choice but to surrender. Swiftly, the primitive men disarm the space voyagers. Of all the blasted luck, they took our communicators, too. And Mr. Spock is calling us. Eek! Captain Kirk, come in. Captain! Spirit voice in tiny box. We must kill evil spirit! They've learned to domesticate animals. They've learned how to bust heads, too. Man, I've got the granddaddy of all headaches. One day they'll cut cross-sections from those logs, put a hole in the center, and they'll have the wheel. Who'd you suppose this Unruho character they mentioned is, Jim? The local chief? Do not take the name of Unruho in vain! Inside, there, you will stand before Locke the Wise. If Locke is a big man around here, who is Unruro? Wrong, Bones. Locke is a woman. And what a woman. Silence in the presence of Locke the Wise. Locke the All-Seeing. Which is the one who had the box that talked? How did she know that? Nobody could have gotten here before us. I saw it, much of it, in the eye that lives within my head. She's telepathic or something. She can see things with her mind. No wonder she's the big chief. I sent the guards to capture you, for I could see you walking on the sacred soil of Unruho. And for that, there is but one penalty. Death. What? Now we've had it, Jim. You should have let us fight before they tied us like nuts. You know our orders. No violence, except as a last resort. Well, if this isn't a last resort, I've never seen one, Captain. Silence! We enter the sacred center of Anru. We stand before Anruho, spirit of all life, provider of all sustenance, commander of all destinies, Bend to his wondrous might. Jim, do you see who... Yes, you fool, I see. Now shut up until we can find out what this is all about. Before Anruho stand three strangers who have defiled his sacred sight. Let them pay with their lives. If you still want to know what this is about, laddie, it's about our blood. Now, do we start fighting back? Oof. We do, Scotty, and how we do. As my old physiology professor used to say, you've got to use your heads, boys. Hold on, men. I've got my hands to fight with now. The best way to solve a naughty problem is to put a couple of heads together. Ugh. The power of evil makes them strong. Quickly, bring me back tree powder. Yes, my queen. I've got me weapon now. If you've never seen a Scotsman with a cudgel before, look out. Hey, lassie. What do you think you're doing there? Did you bring me some porridge? Bucky powder. For the sleep of eternity. Hey. (coughs) That stuff. (coughs) It's... A knockout powder. (coughs) (coughs) Quack. Get ass! 
When next you wake, you will be in the halls of eternal rest. Then, as the first unconscious figure is placed before the execution block, let his death be a warning to all who defy the will of Anruho. Life to Anruho, death to all who soil his name. Ea, the very air is alive with fire, and see a figure forms there. What power is this at work? Anruho, Anruho, he has come. Soon. Where are we? And why did they return our weapons? Well, you cannot look at these fair maidens without knowing you're in heaven, man. Look at these brilliant examples of primitive art, inlaid with crudely cut jewels. They're like the cave paintings of Altamira, except these are brand new. Suddenly, as a majestic but strangely familiar figure appears. There's your answer as to why we're still alive. Be gone, maidens. Anruo would like to talk to the infidels alone. Then, as Spock explains, Then, when I came looking for you, they greeted me as a god. Why, I don't know. How my face was carved here is beyond me. These are the toll people. When their technology matches their art, they will make a great contribution to the universe. The Cavors, a more barbarous tribe, are about to attack. The tolls don't stand a chance against them. And we're not allowed to help them, as Scotty said. Wait, where is Scotty? Scotty, it appears, is in good and beautiful hands. These are the crystal flowers of Amygna. Are they not lovely? Aye, but someday, lassie, I hope to get you to a field of heather. There's perfume for the gods. And these the golden fonts of Lido. If you could bottle that, you'd make a fortune in... Hoy! There's the sound a chill of brave man's blood. The Kovars are here. Here is their advanced guard. They will slaughter us all. If there's many more like him, they just might do that, lassie. Captain's Log, Stardate 1924.5 For some unexplained reason, the told people of the planet Neeson believe Mr. Spock to be a god, which saved the rest of us from execution. But then we found ourselves in the middle of a war. Ooga! Faster, lassie! That fellow throws a mean spear! Aye! Go without me! Not on your life, or mine. That armored truck he's riding is too big to get through these woods. So that's where we're heading. Hang on. Later. That's all there is to it, men. 
We have to leave before the main battle breaks. Agreed. Otherwise, we would be involved against orders. But I can't deny my divinity now, or the tolls would kill us. Know this, toll people. I must depart with the others. But remember that I shall always be with you in your struggle to survive. I'm not one to run out on a lassie in our time of need, but I cannot do otherwise now. Go in peace and love. Get a move on, Scotty. Moments later, aboard the starship. I don't mind admitting that I left the girl with a heavy heart. Yes, and a light weapon belt. She took your phaser, you fool. Aye, that's why she was so tender with me. And me thinking it was my fatal charm. She's a woman who would do anything to save her people, Scotty. A caveman with a phaser in his hands could command the whole world. We've broken our prime directive. Not if we can get that phaser back before it's used. Come on, Scotty. This is a two-man job. Moments later... We shouldn't be too far from the toll caves. Kovar... Mounted warriors headed this way. Hit the tall grass, Scotty. Have you learned something from this, Scotty? My boy, that fatal charm of yours might be fatal to nobody but you. They missed us, but now they're between us and the toll people. We have to get around them. The Kovar come! You must stand brave and tall against them, toll people. And remember, Anruho is with us. Kill! Kill the golden weaklings! Kill! See, our spears bounce from their beasts as from a rock. Yes, but not from Kovar flesh. They die as easily as we do. My people fight bravely, but they are doomed. The weapon I stole from the one called Scotty has a duty to perform, but it must not be wasted. It is to protect the sacred head of Anruho. Many a Kovar will die at my hands before they touch the idol. So, my beauty, all that sweet talk you made was only an excuse to rob me. Huh? I couldn't help myself. I'd do anything for my people. Even kill you if necessary. I? So that's where the wind is from, is it? Sorry about this, Loke. Aye! But it is done... Anruho's idol will be destroyed by the Kovars. We can't help you there, Loke. It's against our direct orders. Let's go, Scotty. They're headed this way. I wish it could be otherwise less. Those strange ones. Stop them before they escape. Yes, Jibo. They shall be caught. They're gaining on us, Captain. Into that canyon, Scotty. That may be the answer. Now, with a little luck, I'm going to start a rock slide and close off the mouth of the canyon. Nice shooting, Captain. You did it, Captain. Close her up tighter than a drum. It'll take them six weeks to dig through that. I guess we're safe enough, for now. But I don't mind saying that my knees were a little watery back there. Only two kinds of men never be frightened, Captain. Dead ones, and dumb ones. Ugh. No Kovar warriors, attack!
Hold on, Captain. I'm cut. Good. Strip them of all their weapons and bring them before the chief. Meanwhile, what has got Mr. Spock so wrapped up in himself? Nothing much. Just that he stepped onto a world for the very first time and found he was a god there. That's all. I've got it. Those dinosaur-like creatures on either side of the stone head. They and that woman mentalist. Loke. Huh? It was near the beginning of our mission for the Federation on the planet Dukar. It's a prehistoric world. No intelligent life yet. That shadow. What? Though we Vulcans are said to be developed beyond emotions, what I saw chilled my very bones. Giant prehistoric creatures. Don't even know if a phaser can stop it. Interference on my communicator. I can't get out a call for help. Somebody! Somebody! Anybody! Anybody! Help me! It was just an uncontrolled reaction. That mental cry for help. Then, as the phaser found a soft spot. In that second, when I sent out the uncontrolled thought message, Loke saw it. Right. She thought it was a vision of their god on Ruho, and she had them carve your head? I've got to tell Captain Kirk what I've learned. Captain Kirk, come in. Mr. Spock calling. Captain Kirk. Bring out the battering log and prepare to destroy that idol. Take warning. The wrath of Unruha will strike you down. Har har! It is we who strike down Unruha. The execution fire is ready. Bring forth the strangers. Move! Die by flame or by spear point. It makes no difference to us. I'm afraid this is it, Captain. It would take Unruho himself to save us. Stop! The strangers must not be harmed. This is my only warning to you all. What? Unruho! He comes to save us! It is true, the god of the Toll People appears. Fools! Get off your knees! You will see how much a god can bleed and die. He doesn't believe Spock is supernatural, and Spock is under orders to harm none of them. Then he's finished, and well, next. Die! What? He vanishes before my eyes! Where did he go? I'm right here, my friend. See for yourself. Yes, I see you now, and this axe will find you next. You are a hard man to convince, Chief of the Kovars. Brilliant. Mr. Spock is using the transporter to flash back and forth between here and the ship. It's a great vanishing act. Oof. Here I am. Still, you do not believe, eh? You are flesh and blood, and I will prove it yet. 
It is some magic. A trick by the strangers. Kill them! Let go of me, fools. No, Jibo. We have seen the Sanbrujo and his powers. It is you who are the fool. We have seen the might of Anruho. He has brought our people together. We shall live side by side in peace. Your message of love will be known to all the Toll and Kovar people. Together, we shall build a statue of you many times bigger than the first. No. Build no idols to me. The spirit of the universe is everywhere, in every form. And your finest worship lies in the deeds of your lives. Goodbye, Lassie. Perhaps the solar winds will blow our ship this way once again. No, I know we shall never again be like this. But for the special power of my mind, I will see you wherever you are. Take this poor gift, a crystal flower. I... It's starting to look prettier than all the heather ever grown. Later, I see your cave queen gave you a little posy by which to remember her, Mr. Scott. How touching. I'll touch your nose with my fist if you keep that up, Mr. Spock. You've been asking for this for a couple of light years now. All right, let's go. Fortunately, Mr. Scott, I don't gain the same delight from infantile violence as you do. Why do you? Break it up. Get back to your assigned positions. And the next one who pops off will be wiping pipes for a month in the nuclear furnace room. I kid you not. Alright, so that ends the first ever classic Star Trek Gold Key Theater. And may I first say uh, a sincere apology for the bottom of our heart to anyone who has actually stuck it out this long. This was an experiment, and, um, but what do you think, Donovan? <laughs> were our thespian abilities up to it? No, our thespian abilities were not up to it, but <laughs> it was actually kind of fun. It was fun. Um, Donovan, had talked, Donovan and I had talked about doing this um, quite a bit before we actually started recording, and uh, we were very nervous about how well this would go, trying to get voices at least within spitting distance of of something that made was decent, and then getting the the dialogue right and everything. And uh, and I found as we were doing it, it uh, it flowed a lot better than I expected. Right, but unfortunately, I I thought your parts were actually really good. I I, I liked it. I just worry that my parts so god awful bad that. Uh... We might have actually lost a few of our precious listeners. <laughs> no. They're like, I can't take anybody who does this seriously. Click. Yeah, I, you did fine. You did fine, man. I think I first practiced the female voices, uh, the priestess, with a very comic bookish female voice. But then I think I did something better than what I was originally practicing. So that was good. I'm glad we did the first go around, uh, just us. But maybe if we can ask our, you know, few precious listeners, if you did like that and you want us to maybe continue doing the gold key kind of this way, because 
I mean, the gold key is kind of, the stories are often very ridiculous anyways, and this is kind of a ridiculous way to do it. Uh, if you liked it, let us know, and we may do, you know, the further, the the future issues this way. And if you didn't like it, let us know, and we'll go back to the tried and true. Uh, but if you did like it, and you actually want to record a voice, uh, let us know, and we could probably arrange something like that, too. Right, where we can edit it, edit you in post-production. Or maybe even take part in the recording session, depending upon if schedules align. Right. And, you know, since we did just do it, it, it was actually a lot of fun. Much more fun than I had thought it might be. Right. And this is very experimental. So Donovan had the idea. You can blame him <laughs> or applaud him either way, <laughs> depending on how you feel about it. But this was an experiment, so we really don't know if we'll ever do this again. We might. Right. It might. It, it, like you say, this is a way that, that kind of at least makes the gold keys a little bit more fun for us anyway. Not that we weren't having fun with it, but reading well, three of them in a row and then having to try to take them seriously to do our review was yeah. sometimes hard. And it felt like we were just always kind of complaining about the same thing. Yeah, and unfortunately when we do start saying comments about it, I'm going to be a little negative. But I'll, <laughs> I'll try to temper it. Right. Okay, so yeah, just let us know. Send us a message at uh, uh, review at gmail.com. And let us know you did like it or you didn't like it, and if you would ever want to, you know, play around and, and record a voice or two for us. Sure. The comic. Um, I realize, you know, it's a gold key comic. They are what they are. They are an art form within themselves. So I, I definitely tried to think about it as, you know, this is what they are, and, and try to go from there. But I got to say, this story is a mess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of action stuff going on, but overall, the story's a mess. Right. The the um, the caveman angle, I, I mean, they actually brought in the Prime Directive, and what they're saying does match everything that's in Star Trek lore. You, yes. You have to be careful when you go to these primitive planets. But, right. Uh, it, and I liked it all. I liked that part a lot. I yeah. did not care for the telepathic thing to Loke. Right. And... You know, her connection with, with Spock from who knows how long ago. Oh, God. That was horrible. So, okay, so on a totally different planet from Nessen, Spock encounters this this prehistoric beast, and he has a burst of telepathic whatever. And Locke, on a totally different planet, picks up on it and is able to see the beast that's attacking Spock and understand what Spock is thinking and, and what, what Spock looks like, and then takes it as a god. That, right. You know, it just... I'm sorry. <laughs> That's really hard to take. Uh, agreed. But, whatever. So I thought... I was kind of interested in the name of the planet, Nessun. It kind of sounds like an old Japanese auto brand from the 70s. But You mean Nissan? Yes. <laughs> so I Nissan. I thought about that, but yeah. Yeah, anyway, I just I thought I thought the naming was interesting. And of course when this was written wasn't Nissan Datsun. So, obviously total <laughs> total accident, but uh, I just Well, this came out in 72, you know, several years before I was born. So, I'll just have to take your word for it, Ken. Yeah, they used to be Datsuns, and they changed the name to Nissan. Not quite sure why. I think Datsun used to mean something like rabbit or something. Running rabbit or rabbit. 
in Japanese or something? I don't know. Uh, yeah. So what did you think of the uh, potential love story? I mean, do you think there really was a love story, or was it all in uh, Scotty's head? I think Locke was using Scotty, or Loke, was using Scotty, but I think she also had a soft spot for the big lug. Right. And, and of course, I do like it when somebody other than Kirk gets to have a little romance. Agreed. So. And, and as we've mentioned in other Gold Key reviews, Scotty's a huge player in the Gold Key issues, um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. It's just he has a much no. larger role than he does in the show itself. Right. And a lot of times Spock is doing more things, too, which is cool. So the main thing is, in the TV show, Kirk was really the center of a lot of episodes. So uh, it's interesting how in the Gold Key comics, they spread it around quite a bit to at least two other characters. Right. And really downplay the McCoy character. Yeah, McCoy. And you don't see Chekhov too much or Sulu. I mean, you don't see Sulu at all in this one. No, he's not. I don't. I don't think he's ever in it. I mean, very rarely do we see him in any of these Gold Key stuff. Oh, that's an interesting point. Did we make that point before? I think we've made that point before. Oh, okay. Okay, so, uh, yeah, so at least we saw, like, one line from Chekhov. That's about it. Right. So I thought a couple characters were kind of, there were some some kind of nasty lines. Oh, yeah, which which ones? Well, McCoy's crack about Scotty and the electronic bagpipes. (laughs) So... It was kind of clumsy and really not that funny, uh, but I thought it was kind of uncalled for. Um, it's also kind of a stereotypical cultural slur against Scotsmen, but I guess that's the basis of some humor. Well, we do know that he does like the uh, bagpipes, though. Well, yeah. I mean, they it didn't play that up in the show. It, didn't he actually play it? At Spock's um, funeral. Right, exactly. So, but I thought, I thought it was a little uncalled for. And then, in another part, Kirk says to, to, I think it's mainly aimed at Scotty, uh, be quiet, you fool. And it's like, well, step back. Take it easy, Kirk. Right. I, I could see him saying be quiet, but uh, the you fool part. Yeah, that's kind of what I'm called for. Right. Hmm. And then I thought the fight where Scotty wants to actually have a fist fight with Spock at the end was also oh, really out of character. That's out of character, totally. <laughs> So, boy, you got a thin skin, Scott. <laughs> Scotty, jeez. Take it easy, man. Well, he's in love. Well, I guess so. Now, isn't that kind of creepy, though, The uh, what she says to him on the way out? Uh, oh, I'll be able to watch you. Yeah, I will always <laughs> be watching you. That's creepy. What if, what if he doesn't feel the same way about her in the future and she's still watching? It's a little ooky. Yeah, ooky. That's a good word. Ooh. Right. I, I, I thought that was weird. <laughs> and and that must be um that must be an answer to your earlier question. Was there really a relationship? Yeah. I mean, unless she's a stalker or something. Well, even if she is a stalker, I mean, if she's going to watch him forever, that seems like a pretty big commitment. Right. Yeah, it's uh it's a big one. <laughs> she must dig his chili, I guess. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, you heard his voice. How could you not dig that? sexy accent it's essentially the way you did it Donnie right oh whoever was Scotty top notch my friend (laughs) yeah (laughs) um yeah so I didn't know they had a nuclear furnace room 
on the Enterprise. Do they? Do they say that? I mean, I just at read it. My last know. line. You guys will be cleaning the nuclear furnace, oh, furnace yeah, right, room right. if you don't cut it out. Furnace room? Really? Anyway, I, j- I just thought it was a quaint term, a word to use in there. Right. Well, you that one is is weird, but they also use, uh, you know, wherever the solar winds take us. And I've <laughs> been asking for this for a couple of light years now. You know, oh, stuff yeah. like that. They. You, We've always make we make a comment on it every time we do a gold key. They they throw in these weird sayings that make really no sense. Right now, in that case, they were adding like outer space words into like a colloquialism kind right. of thing. Uh, but in this case, they took a technical thing and attached an archaic term to it. I mean, nuclear furnace. It's like furnace. I mean, they're not going to use the term furnace in the future. I mean, come on. That's wood, like wood. Uh, nah. But, yeah, so so they're mixing all these different things in. And how about when uh, when Spock is waving at the landing party at the, near the beginning? Uh, first off, I don't think Spock's going to be waving to the landing party. That's not going to happen. And then... <clears throat> bye, and then, see you later. <laughs> bye, see... Yeah, see you on the flip side. And then... What did he say? I know I wrote it down. Let me try to find that. Uh, another uncharacteristically um, theater-like saying, and let caution be your guide. Yeah, it's, like, it's oh a Pinocchio God. line. Oh, really? That's yeah, a Pinocchio line? Isn't it, yeah, isn't it? In Pinocchio, it's, they even sing a song about it. Oh, oh, well, you've got young kids, so I can see you knowing that. But I had, I did not know that. Huh, interesting. So, uh, speaking of just Spock saying weird stuff, um, you know, when you read a book, some of the stuff doesn't really jump out at you. But when you're having to read it out loud, it really you 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 feel how awkward some of the wording oh, yeah. choices are. And, and Mr. Spock saying, "Captain Kirk, this is Spock calling Captain Kirk." I'm in, please. You know, there's no parking in the yellow and red zones. Yeah, I agree. And though we cut it out, there was a lot of laughter going on after some of these uh, these comments as we were saying them. Right. Yeah. Ho- hopefully, we we were able to cut out most of the laughter. Uh, there wasn't too much bleeding over into the best take. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. I got like Ken said, work in progress. Very experimental. Speaking of which, um, I do plan on doing a YouTube video of this. Um, so maybe we should throw in a, a disclaimer at the beginning that you really should be following along with the book or um, watch the YouTube because some of the dialogue, if you're just listening to it, makes no sense. Exactly. Some of the actions going on on the panels are really important. It's just so you know what's going on. Going further, if we ever do this again, people should know, oh, we, they did this back in episode 167 or whatever this is. Yeah. Yeah, we didn't do our original introduction. No. To let them know exactly which issue to look at. Right. So maybe if we do another one, we'll we'll do that up front. Maybe a disclaimer. Right. But I, I thought it was kind of fun just launching into it because people are going to be disoriented not what, knowing what's going on when they first listen to it. Yeah, so I, I, I kind of like that. I kind of liked it too, but we should at least tell them what issue it was. Right. 
Okay, something for next time. All right, um, my really last comment, because I think all, all the big comments we, we've made with other gold key stuff, uh, but the uh, what they do with the transporter at the end with the caveman and, and how he's able to you know, just move a couple feet automatically without any real sound or instantly, yeah. it, it being so instantaneous. Um, it's a fun little joke, but I... It doesn't make sense as far as Star Trek goes. Because the transporters don't work that way? Is that what you're saying? Well, they would work that way, but it does, it's not that fast. And it's... Right. Yeah, there's, a, there's some more light, light effects. Over there. Yeah, but just because they didn't draw in the line, you know, the words. <laughs> like, you know, maybe it was there. I mean, we definitely did not see any attempt to draw in the normal transporter effect, but Spock does have kind of like a halo around him. Right. And he's kind of see-through. So, I mean, when I was reading it, I thought, well, maybe this was some sort of hologram that he's creating, because he just looks like he's see-through, right? Right. Not necessarily that he's solid one moment and, you know, disappearing the next. Right. But, as we've seen in Star Trek, if you start to dematerialize and somebody hits you, they be, they dematerialize as well, right? So, I mean, we've seen plenty of times when somebody grabs onto somebody as they're disappearing, and they just go on, go up to the ship along with whoever it is. Yeah, like so, Star Trek Four, And I, there's other instances of it happening, yeah. But, so why did this guy never beam up, beam over five feet as well? With the axe well, embedded deep into Spock's chest. Well, yeah. Now, the the top of the axe getting caught up in the transporter beam, I could see that. But the rest of him, the rest of his body might not have been. Right. I mean, looking at that one panel, the guy the guy's got his arms fully extended as he's swinging the axe at him. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we're just splitting know. hairs. I mean, we I'm are just, splitting hairs. I'm just saying, and this it's is not 100 percent consistent with other Star Trek things we've seen. Right. I mean, is Star Trek Four the first time they did it, or was it also in the original series? Because I was thinking that there was an instance in the original series where they oh, did and there it. might have been. It's just that's the first one that came to mind. Right. I didn't say that was the. I didn't okay. say Star Trek Four where the doc, the citation scientist, grabs on the Kirk. Uh, right. I didn't say it's the first one. That's just an example. I don't know. I, I can't think of one in the original series, but I'm sure there easily could have been. Right. Yeah. My last comment is, and this is pretty common, but I'm just going to say it anyway. It's almost like inconsistency in the artwork is almost like a hallmark of Gold Key. And the specific example here is Scotty. So, on the first page after the Grabber title page, there are there's one panel where Scotty looks like a gangster from the 40s hitman kind of guy. You know, so he's got a very rough look to him. Uh, almost like his nose might be broken. You know, he's got a really rough look to his face. And then on the next panel, at the bottom left-hand side of, I guess, page two, you could call it. Right. It's a reasonably good facsimile of James Duhand, his yep. fa- the front shoot view of his face. But yep. the profile, which is the previous panel, does not look like Scotty. It looks like a different guy. He has a very prominent chin and... Yes. and- Brow. Yeah, I, I totally see what you're saying. Yeah, and he looks like a tough guy. He just looks like a very, you know, like a gangster kind of guy. Guy you would not want to be screwing with. Right. Um, 
Then later on, when they, I think it's around the middle of the comic, where they're uh, in the middle of a fight, and Scotty's has his arms tied behind his right. back, and he's able to break free using a fire, whatever, and then he starts kicking butt. His head suddenly turns into Spock. Uh, so, Spock or Frankenstein? I'm, oh, I'm saying Spock. <laughs> I mean, it really looks like Spock to me. Right. I, get, I see it. It's the so, bang. It's his hair. It, well, it looks like Spock. Yes, it's, it, and his face, too. But definitely he's got the Mo Howard haircut. You know, the bowl haircut. Right. So definitely that, 100%. But I think his face, too, his nose especially looks like Spock. So, right. yeah, I, No, you're right. That, that last panel when he's knocking the two heads together, it looks like... Leonard exactly. That one. Exactly. Yep. So it's kind of like inconsistency, like maybe multiple people are doing the artwork. I don't know. But <laughs> at the very least, it's kind of jarring at times. Right. Anyway, no, I agree. Whatever. I agree. It's all part of inconsistency. Is all part of the charm of Gold Key artwork. <laughs> right. Anyway. Nope. I agree with you. Hundred percent. Yeah. But I will. I will admit. I love the shot of the Enterprise. The very on the second page that top panel. Enterprise and in, in profile with the. Fire or whatever that's coming out of the nacelles and the engineering engin- uh, engineering section. Sure, and then the bottom, I, and then the so bottom, beautiful. the bottom of the uh, saucer section has like light coming out, like it's a light bulb on the bottom uh, of the saucer section. I thought that was the sun, just really far away. Oh, and I thought it was was trying to be um, trying to be like insinuating the sensors are on oh. and shooting, you know, sensor reading, you know. Uh, I thought I thought it was just the sun, you know, in the no, distance it might and be. shining out from underneath it. Yep. But um, I, think, I, I, I took it differently, picture. but it could be either way. I, I, I think they do. I think they do the Enterprise well. Yes, it's not consistent because it shows a lot of times exhaust coming out. But as far as you know, the classic Enterprise, I think they do a really good job drawing it for the most yeah, part. That 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 is a nice drawing. And my. And my comment on this particular panel, though, just a little comment, is uh, I definitely think I'm right about the uh, bottom of the dish and that, that light coming out being the sensors. Because basically, as you see in the captain's log, they're using both sensors and scanners. <laughs> there you they're, go. They're using they're both. The same thing? They're, u- they're using both. That, that, I think that supports my, uh, my, my interpretation of that light coming out of the bottom. All right. I'm being sarcastic. I know. So, uh, exactly. <laughs> so, they're different things? I thought they were the same thing. Scanners yeah. and sensors? No, they're kind of like word, two words of the same thing. But two words meaning the same thing in the Star Trek universe. But right. I, I just thought I'd mention that. All right. And my last, my last, last, last <laughs> question or comment. Yes. How far back was this uh, mission to Dukar? I mean, it must have been a while ago, because they because they built the, the 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 statue, right? I mean, how how long would it have taken them to put that together? Right. But I'm wondering, is this from this time with Kirk and them, or was it supposed to be with his time when he was with Pike? Oh, I don't know. Because at first I was thinking that it was when he was with Pike, because nobody else is with him that we know of, and you know, maybe he was supposed to be younger, and that's why he made the uh, you know the error as far as. Being scared by this giant monster. 
Uh, well, but he's wearing a blue suit and not the uh, the gold of the Pike era. So right, and that was going to be my uh, my next statement. His uniform looks like like current Trek, not original pilot. Right. Not but, not that that necessarily means anything. <laughs> <laughs> that they would necessarily be consistent in drawing uh, people, but and uniforms, but. Yeah, that looks like a current outfit. But I just liked that he's fighting a giant monster. He's fighting a kaiju. He's fighting <laughs> a Godzilla-like creature. Well, not not the current Godzilla from the movies, because, boy, he's big in the new movie. Right. Yeah. Not as, not as big as that Godzilla, but in that style. He's big. He's, he's a giant monster. Yeah, he, what is this guy, like 30 feet tall? He's pretty big. This one, yeah, his... his Spock barely comes up to his knee, so yeah. he's a big guy. Yeah, yeah. But he does kind of look like a Godzilla, doesn't he? Yeah, especially with that tail and his legs Whipping and arms. around. His face right. doesn't. His face looks more like a swamp monster type thing, but right. his body looks a little Godzilla-like. Yeah, yeah. I liked it because I like me some Godzilla. All right, so any other comments on issue number 17? Not a one. All right, so hopefully everybody enjoyed uh, Star Trek Gold Key Theater. And uh, next week, we'll be back with 90s again, and we'll do Marvel. Marvel Unlimited number three and four. Cool. See you next time, everybody, on The Review. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music stories and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at startcomicbookreview at gmail.com. Visit us at our website, www.stcomicbookreview.com. Subscribe to us via iTunes. Or friend us on Facebook at first name, ST Comic, second name, Book Review. See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review. Let's get the hell out of here.